Hello, and welcome to the Geekiest Podcast, where we sit around and talk to our friends about all things geeky, all the while giving each other geek points to determine who is the geekiest. Welcome to the Geekiest. I'm Joe. My pronouns are he, him. Hello, I'm Kayla, and my pronouns are she, her. I'm Will, he, him. And hey, this is Jason, uh, he, him. Hey, we've got Jason back on. Welcome back, Jason. Hey, good to be back. (laughs) It's, It's a pleasure to have you on. And the reason we have Jason on is he just released a Kickstarter for issue number four of Lords of the Cosmos. Bum, bum, bum. Yes. <laughs> issue four. Wow, you're chugging along there. I I tell you, it's uh you know self-publishing these things to get to a fourth issue is is uh, some level of uh you know that you should get to, like a campaign ribbon because there's always <laughs> a million reasons to quit, and I think anyone that stays in it with a title, uh you know at some point it's it's tip of the cap uh, to anyone that does it because it's hard. It's hard to keep it going, and you keep it going because you love it, and hopefully the fourth issue is a lot better than the ones before it, and uh, I really hope that the readers can have fun with some of the things we pulled off, rewarding them for reading the past issues, so it's it's really exciting. Very uh, cool. That was going to be my first question, is how's it going? How's it been? So uh, I had the busiest uh, first day I ever had for a Kickstarter, and this is my 11th one. Um it's interesting, I, you know, from a technical end, uh, Kickstarter has has tried to up their game, and this is the first time I was able to use a pre-launch uh, link where you could start to promote people to sign up to get a immediate launch notification, and I think that really helped. So I give Kickstarter a tip of the cap for upping their game to help us do a better job to connect immediately with uh, these fans to say, this launched right now. Um, and it really helped me lay the groundwork to do so, a lot more pre-promotion than I had been able to do in the past. And I think do it more effectively. Um, it's almost at 80 uh, percent. Uh, looking at it right now, it's at 31, 39 with 88 backers. And it's in its third day. Our goal yeah. is only 4000. So I started to make some plans for a stretch goal because I think we're going to we're going to eclipse uh, all the other ones. So it's, it's exciting. I mean, it's great to have that first day and um Kickstarter, there's a whole kind of a gamut of things that happen. Uh, you know, you, you get the, I mean, the, the person tweeting me immediately, dude, I've never read one of your books, but I'm the first backer. This is so cool. Like, which was really outstanding to get from uh, a new fan on Twitter to, you know, the regulars, man, I can't wait. This is the new book to people pinging me about the original art and, uh, you know, people just congratulate me for doing another one. Then, of course, the spammers that are emailing. I saw you have a Kickstarter for a fee. I could get you a million more backers. Oh, geez. Um, yeah. So there's a whole there's a whole kind of uh, feel to it. And then uh, I've been reaching out to some friends that are running Kickstarters either in the very near future or running them right now. And we're trying to do some some book swaps where, hey, I'm going to give my backers their books for free. And, you know, hey, check out this Kickstarter. And then they do the same for me. So. It's a very uh, it's a very fun time. It's a little bit like running for office because you, you're kind of uh, 
very pitch oriented for a month of uh, how are you doing? Have you checked out the link to my Kickstarter? So you're, you're kind of like basically running for office where you have your little electoral catchphrase where vote for me. <laughs> and you're really trying to get people to move over to give you a couple dollars. So it's a fun time. I enjoy it. Uh, by the end of it, I'll be sick of it myself and exhausted. But it's a fun being exhausted because, to be honest, I think with this book, we've worked on it for about 15 months. And uh, when you roll it out, it's it's almost like uh, well, it's, it reminds me of being a kid and doing like a science fair where you've worked mm-hmm. on some project and then you put it in the gym and then they open it up and people look, walk around and look at your project and you say, this is what I've done for the last so many months. and I. You're very proud of your project and you want to show it off because you haven't shown anyone until the doors open. So it's a lot of fun and it's really fun to get on these shows and and, uh, you know, do a little bit of a, a little bit of a press run and, and show it off and, and get to talk more about it. So this is ex- it's exciting. I enjoy it. I can hear the enthusiasm in your voice. That's really great. Yeah. yeah, it's fun. Well, you know, here's the thing. I really like doing this stuff and it's the kind of stuff that I really like to do. And if I can have a month where it's it's a holiday season for my crazy comic book, then happy holiday to me. I enjoy it. <laughs> um, I, I have to say the one piece of, I mean, there's a lot. I, I was looking through at the synopsis of the, the various stories in this issue. Yes. And uh, the one that caught my eye is yes. the uh, Ugly Studios Presents Saturday Morning Cartoon Madness. That yes. Oh my God, that is straight out of my 80s comic books where they were, uh, you know, announcing what was going to be on NBC Saturday morning with, you know, mm-hmm. Thundar and Goltar and, and you know, the uh, Lone Ranger Adventure Hour and all that good stuff. It, yes. That well, is, I'm glad is that, awesome. <laughs> I'm glad that struck a nerve for you because that was a lot of fun to put together. Uh, Joe Freistuhler, who de- has worked on uh, past books with us, um, he has a uh, six-page story in this called Last of My Kind, and uh, he and I talked about doing some fun uh, retro stuff. So we're going to have a letters page uh, in mm-hmm. this issue, like the classic Marvel bullpens. And then we talked about uh, what would be another thing for an 80s property, because every issue has a toy on the back. And we talked about, and literally, we pulled some of those old ads, uh, you know, the, the really bad print newspaper mm-hmm. quality ads of this this fall on CBS, it's Mr. T and this, you know, the mm-hmm. Smurfs or whatever their lineups were. And I remember as a kid getting those and tearing through them like they were some holy book of what shows will I watch on what network, you know? And I was particular because I didn't like, I never would watch an entire network. I wanted to find the stuff that was oriented uh, to my taste. So I would be like, mm-hmm. CBS for this, NBC, ABC, you know, and mm-hmm. flip around until the end of your morning. And yep, yep. that was the whole point to, to, to touch that nerve of, of that Saturday morning ad. But yeah, it was great. The blurfs. I like the blurfs, right? The <laughs> purple Smurf knockoffs. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, so the, the story that catches my eye, and especially, <laughs> and I say that because the, the, Synopsis of it is, you know, it has got my attention, but the artwork, um, I am the sword of uh, Aegeus. Yes, Aegis, yes. Aegis, okay. Uh, I I am a sucker for anything Greco-Roman-esque, so that looks awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I guess what I, we didn't get last time is like, we know there there is the, there's the like overarching story of the Lords of the Cosmos. Yes. And then there are these attachment stories that mm-hmm. drift from it or what's. So, yeah, they, they kind of 
things are kind of hinted and suggested at in the main story as though everybody knows exactly what they are, but because they're fairly new or new to the reader, the idea is, well, I don't know what that is. So one of the things that we've done is the side stories, we've tried to really focus them on playing off of things that you might uh, run into uh, in the main story. Um, and kind of one of the places that came from, uh, and, and I thought the show went off the rails towards the end, but I really enjoyed the first couple seasons of uh, Orange is the New Black. And one of the fun narrative devices that I enjoyed on that show was there was a, an ensemble cast of the people mm-hmm. in prison and the, and the staff, and they would just start picking random characters in the show and starting to delve into why are they, why are they in prison or why do they work at a prison and what's yes. their story because everyone has a story. And I thought that was one of the funnest parts of that show where it would really start to explore, like, who is this person? Why are they here? You know, were they really bad? Were they a victim or whatever the case was? So what this book uh, and the prior ones maybe weren't as focused, I think this is the best one as far as focusing on those side stories, is the sword shows up in the main story, and the sword is in, it ends, like, it's kind of in a place, and I don't want to spoil that, but um, the side story shows where that sword came from, from it narrates itself because it's living. And it talks about being minerals and being mined out of the planet that it came from. And it's complaining because it just wants to kill people because it's a sword. And then you learn exactly where this sword came from and then how it ended up where it is at the end of the main story. And then that's kind of the catalyst to to move to issue five is the end of issue four with the main story and this this sword. Because the sword is the logo, the Lords of the Cosmos, the big sword through the planet. And you start realizing the sword isn't just this guy's sword. It's its own character. And it's got an attitude and it's very angry and it has very strong opinions about everything going on around it. And it tends not to like them unless there's a lot of violence, mm-hmm. which it's a sword, right? So what else right. is it going to cook? Yeah, no, that's... <laughs> now, Jason, I have a question for you. Um, yeah. When, when you're putting this together, it is because I'm looking at some of the variant covers and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm absolutely digging the artwork of your team. Uh, for 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 those who may not be uh, who may not know what Lords of the Cosmos is, is it like a collection of short stories that are wrapped around a main theme? Um, what's uh, are they just separated sword stories? Uh, so I wish I had the game so game show like twenty five thousand dollar pyramid noise because you hit it right on the head. So it's basically an anthology book based around the theme of being around the Lords of the Cosmos. So whether it's the main story, which is kind of this narrative device that kind of guides the the reader through this this introduction main saga at the current times, all the side stories, different art, different style, different creative team are all based around the stuff that is Lords of the Cosmos. So it isn't like, oh, there's a, you know, there's a, a romance in a Western. Like these books are themed books based around this character uh, universe. So all the stories are based on that. So it's, it's, kind of odd because a lot of anthologies go all over the place whereas this is an anthology based on this set of characters um so every story in the book is based on the character universe of lords of the cosmos very cool i'm, I'm loving the alex j cover with the uh the the giant turtle tank and and then the, oh yeah i'm loving that cover that's that's amazing um, yeah, Alex, and, and, uh, Alex J. crushed it on that. We we threw out just some some thoughts about what this scene would be, and uh, when Alex J. produced that cover for us, um, I was blown away by it. I thought, you know, if there's one image that just would sh- show off what this is 
to someone that would know nothing about what this is, to me, that that image of the, the massive beach explosions and the tank traps, but it's werewolves and robots crawling out of huge crocodiles onto a beach with a, a, basically a battleship built on the back of a gigantic city-sized tortoise shelling the beach. Like, that's Lords of the Cosmos, because it's <laughs> familiar, but then you're like, I don't even know what I'm looking at. This is crazy. I don't know what I'm looking at, but I'm damn intrigued. Yeah, there's, like, bats coming out of the, uh, you know, turtle, like... Uh, fighter planes and there's there's like yeah. mechs crawling out of the water uh yeah. the, the there's troops running out of gigantic crocodile mouths under the beach and then the main hero is like a he's like a greek god like storming up the beach with a sword with like werewolves and yeah. i think there's like a ghost and then and then there's a character like on a flying surfboard with like you know uh, modern police body armor and it's just it's just all over the place of this yeah. just uh, this just mismatched mess running up a beach that is really cool. I'm I'm reminded of uh there's this YouTube show where this incredibly talented artist uh sits down with kids and says, mm-hmm. Okay, you know, he'll give them a subject or something, you know, what do you want me to draw? And these kids will start talking and he mm-hmm. will draw whatever they say. And it comes up with this crazy stuff and he makes it work. And this is like the cool adult version of that. <laughs> Right. I mean, the, the whole point was that we have all these fantastic characters, talking animals, robots, wizards, etc. And, you know, but to us, they're locked in a worldwide war. Um, and that's what they've been doing. So, it, you know, when I think of war, one of the things that I think about, because I always thought it was a really stunning film, is Saving Private Ryan, that, that oh, yeah. huge 25 minute scene where they, they run up on Normandy Beach. You know, and it's so intense and, you know, the big explosions and the tanks and the vehicles and the guns and everything else. But it was like when we talked about that image with Alex J, it was what if, you know, we had that, but it was the Lords of the Cosmos critters, you know, which, again, is just about anything. Um, What would it be like if those creatures were involved in that conflict? And, you know, we just said go to town. And again, if you look at some of the stuff in that image and and Alex J um, literally crammed, uh, I don't know, yeah, hundreds of micro elements into it. It's it's bananas. Yeah. It's a hell of a splash page. Uh, I see yeah. here that you're also working with a new artist, uh, Sasha. Correct. Sasha, and, yeah, yeah, and and Sasha um, Chiardo, um is an artist that I found on a Facebook group, just posting pages, and uh, they were unbelievable. They were they were kind of like a historical Viking. Uh, drama, and I, I reached out to Sasha on Instagram and just said, "Hey, you know, would you?" Would you maybe want to draw some stuff for us? And uh, Sasha's awesome, super friendly. Um, we agreed uh, on a, a little work for hire contract. And uh, Sasha ended up doing 13 pages for a story called Hunger, which is basically the Alex J image, like the story that that's pulled from, where it starts off as the Lords of the Cosmos are having their first offensive in this prior war, where it's the Saving Private Ryan thing. And then there's this whole inner drama with some of the villains where they don't want to do things or work together and they lose. And one of them gets literally cut in half. And then that leads to a, one of the characters that we've seen's origin stories. And then it end, the whole story just takes a, a complete dark turn in the second half after this character is literally cut in half by Aegis and his talking sword. Because at one point when they touch down the beach, the sword's trying to select who they're going to kill. And when he shows up, he's very dangerous. So there's a lot crammed into that 13 pages from uh, there's a conflict that rolls onto the the beach attack from issue one with some of the side characters. Uh, the giant turtle, uh, Iron Shell gets introduced. We see Aegis in action uh, fighting. 
um, we we get to introduce one of the villain's origin stories. So it starts off in one place and ends in a completely different place. And uh, it, it shows us where we get more Danix, who's our big cyborg character. He's the toy in the back. He's one of the main covers. Uh, and he's one of the variant covers that uh, Willem uh, did, who's an artist from uh, the the uh, Russian Federation. So some really exciting stuff. He ended up doing like a Jeff Darrow level cover. If you see that there in the Kickstarter, it's a big black and white piece with like 8 zillion uh, people crammed into some pen and ink art. Oh, yeah. That is really beautiful. Um, I was looking at the the description of the hunger talking about Sasha uh, and there's a mention here of um, you have a couple of fan created uh, award tier characters from the yes. previous Kickstarter that are in here. Can you talk to us about that? Yep. So to the backers from the prior book, um, part of their backing reward was to be in, in uh, hunger. So, so uh, one of them is a guy named Mark and Mark really likes to skate. And he asked for a character, I think his words were, to make him shred into the story. So uh, that became Turbo. And Turbo is a guy that kind of has a flying skateboard surfboard. And his big money shot in the story is he is one of the lead attackers on this beach attack. And he Mm -hmm. basically takes his skate surfboard and smashes into people until he gets belted with a mace. Wow, I think I had a Shadowrun character like that some years ago. Right, so he's kind of like <laughs> he's, he's, kind, he's kind of a you know again. It, it's we, we tried to make it along the lines of what the, the backer asked for, and then uh, the other uh, backer that did that uh, is a, a lady that is a professional dominatrix, and her name is Lady Vi, and we basically just put her in as herself. Uh, so the the there's a woman that that's got a lot of leather and high heeled boots, and she is the main uh, female protagonist in uh, in Hunger. And she is with Mordanix. They are a couple, and they really don't like the other villains uh, or villain that's telling them what to do. Who's an undead uh, cybernetic cyborg unicorn that's been in the prior three issues, and they don't get along at all. And, uh, <gasps> I'm just going to throw a geek point for yeah. undead cybernetic unicorn. Just, <laughs> yes. That's wonderful. Yes. Why not? <laughs> his name, thank you. And his name is Cycorn. So Lady Vi basically just plays herself in, in the book where she is just, she's in the first page. She's listed as a, uh, I believe, a chaplain for the evil uh, cult members um, for Umex, the main leader, his army. But they're stationed to watch this beach. So she basically. Um, if you look her up on uh, Twitter or Instagram, uh, she she is a kind of a bigger than life character, and uh, she's a client of mine that I've worked for. And then she came uh, on board in the last issue to support being in the next issue. And like I said, we just dropped her in because we we had a we had a uh, a lady character that was going to play that part, and we just swapped that character we made up out and just swapped her in, and it fit in just great. And then she ends up being in the book as the I guess you'd call her the femme fatale, right? Is that the word for it? femme fatale? Okay. Um, yeah, and then and she has a whole story that goes from the beginning to the end. That uh, it's it kind of takes you through all the emotions. She's angry. She's sad, and uh, she's a very interesting ending. And again, I don't want to spoil it for readers or people that may check it out. But um, the ending to Hunger is brutal, and uh, it, it it involves a uh, a three way conflict between Mordanix, Lady Vi, and Cycle, uh, played upon the backdrop of a World War Two. Uh, beach landing that they're on the wrong end. Oh my goodness. Yeah, now the fun part for that for me was um, 
uh, Jason Palmatier, who's one of the other owners and creators of Lords of the Cosmos, he and I wrote the story. So I normally don't write, but that was exciting to write the script for for Sasha, who's a super talented uh, illustrator. He's a classically trained artist. He can knock out comic book stuff that'll knock your socks off. So to, to direct as someone that's as talented as he was with a story that I thought was pretty cool um, was a lot of fun and is a little different for me to not make art, but to direct art. So um, it was fun to be like, hey, I'm, I'm the writer on Hunger or the co-writer. Yay, Hunger. Right. So that was really cool to, to do that aspect of it. Um, it was a lot of work. It's, it's challenging. Uh, whenever I have to put uh, my writing hat on, I always remember how hard it is to write. Um, but that's that's the that's the hunger story. It was awesome. Uh, Sasha was a great talent. Uh, we hope he comes back and does more with us in the future. Um, his art's amazing, um, and I think you can pick up his pages for what well, I, I forget the price off the top of my head, but it's less than a hundred dollars to like snag one of his original pages. And I have them right now in a file folder. Um, they're amazing, and if people aren't picking those original pages up from him, they're crazy. Uh, Jason, I got to give you. I, I have to give uh, you a couple of geek points. Um, right. I'm, I'm looking here. You have, uh, including yourself, uh, 21 members on your team. Yes. Um, and you have made sure that every single one of them has been paid in full during this pandemic. And for that, uh, you get at least two geek points from me. Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. One from me as well. That's, that is outstanding. Thank you for having those standards and valuing art the way you do well here's the thing i appreciate you guys having that um you know i, I think kickstarter's kind of gotten a bad rap for you know maybe sometimes where projects have not treated fans or contributors well but it was important to me and it always is to make sure that people are paid and then you know i'm the one that takes the risk on these things to try to recoup the money but the last thing i want is someone to come in and expect them to do really good work and then say geez i sure hope we can pay you later uh, we'll we'll get around to it because those people they're the people that really you know put the guts of the book together. Um, you know, I, heck, I did 14 pages of art and, and a lot of other things, but you know, I mean, I, I'm part of the book. I'm not the whole book. So um, without all those other people, you would have about I don't know about a quarter of a book to read. So you have to you have to love and and give all those people um, all the love they deserve because those are the people that brought Lords of the Cosmos together. It's like a movie. I mean, it's, it's way more than just one person. So uh, you were just saying, um, so how many pages I was just looking to see how many pages. Oh, I will put the asterisk out there before any sort of stretch goals. Uh, how many pages is uh, issue four going to be? So interior pages, um, it's going to be 40, but I think about these things in printing terms. So this, this book will be a 11, uh, folded sheets of paper um which includes the covers like front and back inside and, and outside um so you're going to have 40 interior pages and then you know you're going to have a front and back cover and a front and back interior cover so i'm going to say this i try to cram every single page with awesome um whether it's uh putting a variant interior back cover if you get the sketch cover or if you get the normal covers you get the toy artwork so to me every page I want to make shine. So it isn't like, oh, well, we don't count the covers. But, hey, I, I give you an amazing front and back cover. I give you an amazing interior cover. Um, I try to give awesome on every square inch we can do. So depending on how, how you count it, it's either a 44 or a 40 page book. This this is a this is a fat comic. And I say fat in a positive way because fat with awesomeness. It's just got a lot of content bursting out of it. I, I'm, that's, I, I'm, that is a, because, you know, I've, 
I, I've noticed lately the you know comics being put out are, are little little thin. No, this comic is definitely yeah. beefy. It's, it's yeah, beefy. No, it's, I mean, it's got a lot. Um, well, it, and it's got quite the team working on it. So uh, that is, or worked on it. So that is, uh, that is, I mean, if you're not expecting that out of, out of this group after three issues, I, I don't really know what you were thinking. <laughs> well, just another thing about the book is right now the book is probably about 95% done. All the comic book parts and the covers, they're all done. They're just sitting in a folder waiting to go to the printer. The only things that aren't done is the interior front cover. We don't know who all the backers are going to be till it's over. Right. Then we got to collect names, so we can't put that together yet. So that's not done. And then uh, Joe, who made the Saturday morning cartoon ad, is going to make a uh, a bullpen page, right? Cool. Um, which no one sent us a letter yet. <clears throat> so very odd. People love to be on social media, but we've actually made a few requests for letters, hmm. and no one will write us a letter. Which so. Hey kids, if you want to send a letter to uh, to appear, you send it to Ugly Studios. That's U G L I S T U D I O S at Outlook.com. We'd love to have your letters. <laughs> um, so <laughs> we have to make our letters page, and then we have one page we need to put a pinup in, and we're kind of debating over what to do with that. But so this book is almost done as it is now. Like, so, I mean, it'll, it won't take us long to get it ready and shoot it right to the printer once this thing uh, funds and is done. So that's another thing that I, I always take with pride is we don't put these things mm -hmm. out there. You know, mm -hmm. geez, I hope we can get it done. Uh, I'm still paying. Years ago, a friend of mine made a book and uh, I, I backed it for a few dollars just to lend a hand. And it funded in, boy, 2013. The book's still never come out. And I'm not going to say the creator of the book name, but... Every now and then I morbidly go look at the comments section on the Kickstarter and there's a couple of really bitter backers that still go on there and snipe at this creator and, and kind of trash the project that it's just never got done. Um, so when I put these things out, I want to put them out where it's like, yeah, we're basically done. Um, we have a few like loose ends to tie up to send it to the printer, but it's done. This book is ready to roll. That's that's actually something um, that there seems to be two schools of thought in the Kickstarter crowdfunding community. One is sort of your camp where have as much of it done and ready to go when, you know, the Kickstarter funds versus the, well, I'm using Kickstarter as the, the seed for getting this done. And, you know, the, the date that I have listed as, you know, possible for, uh, for, for the, the, the backers getting their things is, Optimistic at best, because I, I, yeah. I have a friend, he backed a, a board game and it took like five years, I want to say, before like he got anything. And what he got was not was not what, what they had put put out in the Kickstarter for level of, of quality and design. It was it was rather disappointing in the end. But between the weight and then the, the workmanship was just it was not good. So I, it's just I, I'm glad to see more folks in your camp of, you know, you know, have the product ready to go, you know, quote unquote, without, you know, having the backers page and anything else that you need, you know, you need input from the, the backers, then, you know, this, well, I've got this idea. Let's, yeah. let's get it funded. Well, here's the thing is that 
you know, I have a full-time job. Unfortunately, art's not my full-time job. So sometimes this stuff has to take a pause or a break. And some of the people that, that I work with, they have other things going on too, right? Mm-hmm. This isn't necessarily their number one priority all the time. Far from it. So once you take people's money, to me, then it's almost like getting out a glass of milk. Like it's not going to stay fresh forever. Keep it in the fridge, right? Um, so when you start taking a lot of money from people, there starts to become a mental countdown where it's like, I gave this person money. I want something. And what happens if, Oh man, uh, you know, a family member's sick. I have to take care of him. Oh wow. Work got really busy at a left field or there's a pandemic and I can't work on this all the time. Or, you know what? I really want to kind of go back and rework some of this stuff. And on this project, a family friend of mine uh, that I've known since I was a kid, uh, AJ Nutter, um, he's been doing our hype videos for these things. And uh, we were tinkering around with the video. And right before the holiday season, we weren't 100% happy with where it was at. And he's like, I need more time if you need me to fix this. And one of the reasons we launched it when we did was because I wanted to make sure the video was exactly the video we wanted. I'm very happy with what we did. But if we would have rushed it out, it wasn't quite 100%. And to me, it was like, no, I'd rather take the time to let you do the video the, the way we want it to be. But don't don't feel any pressure. You know, and we could take all the time in the world because it wasn't live, right? But when these right. things come out, to me, there's an urgency to say, we got to get this done. To, to tell people to wait a couple of years, like, ask yourself. I mean, like, would I be happy giving you money and then saying, well, you can wait? I, I don't think customers want that. People want things. They want it, you know, and they'll wait yeah. and they, they could be patient. But to start telling people, you got to wait years. The question I always have is, what happens if people die? Like, you start saying, wait mm-hmm. five or six years. I hope nothing happens to me in the next half decade, dude. Um, it's a very unfair position to put people in it. I've seen Kickstarter where people will start saying, well, you know, something happened and this and that. It's like, well, people people care about their money. Like, you took their money. Like, giving them excuses isn't acceptable. And then to say, well, something happened. It's like, well, you know plan these things so you that those problems won't affect this stuff i mean to be honest even if i got really sidetracked this book's so close to being done that like i said before we have to i have to send a spreadsheet to dave the letterer to put names on the on the the interior cover how hard is that i mean that that's that's very basic and i try to make things easy on myself so that when this thing funds i mean it's it's a letters page one pin up and your names no matter how crazy my life gets, we can do that standing on our heads. It's easy. And it's respectful to the backers, so they'll know they're going to get their books quick. I, I had a guy ask me the other day this weekend, when do you think all this stuff will be coming out? And I was like, I don't know, probably July. He's like, July 2022? I'm like, no, dude, like this July. He was, he was shocked. <laughs> he was like, what, really? I'm like, yeah, the book's almost done. We're good. But that was his initial reaction. He thought I meant next year. Well, I think Jason, what it boils down to is that you you have a good uh, you have a good understanding of what you're doing uh, versus some people who look at uh, doing a Kickstarter or a crowdfunding or something along those lines, and they, they treat it rather rather than uh, what what you're doing. They look at it more of a uh, an investment mm-hmm. uh, versus. I'm I'm assisting you in getting this done in in exchange for um you know and, and they're looking at like I want to get everything out of this and it's like uh, there's different schools of thinking and I think some of the people that try to do these 
it it's they're they're trying to think of it more as a you're investing in my project right and i'll get you something when i get it rather than you're a you're, you 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 are backing me in doing this and i'm going to get everything i promised you fast and 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 with quality because that's how you get it, it's how you get more business so in my non-art life, um, I've been involved with professional selling and or construction or sales management for the last 24 years. So I've managed over those years, millions and millions of dollars of people's money to get them stuff or build them stuff. And I've always tried to take the philosophy that I'm not being paid for effort. I'm being paid to get results. And uh, I know a lot of people hated it, but... I think I just lifted that line from the 2006 Michael Mann version of Miami Vice where the Crockett <laughs> and Cubs actors are being threatened by anonymous drug lord. But he's like, I'd pay you for a result, not effort or something like that. But it's true because people just if people are asking for stuff, they don't want to hear a million excuses. Anyone can give you an excuse. They're paying for someone that can get stuff done. And I've always tried to export that to my art, you know, whether it's right now I've been dealing with a lot of problems in my Etsy store with uh, postage um, where we've shipped items. Um, and they don't show up and I have customers that have paid me good money to get things and they're not happy because they paid for it and, you know, we're filing insurance claims and I, I make sure to, you know, send them, you know, Hey, here's some comic book PDFs. I'm sorry. We're going to resend this. I'm filing an insurance claim because it's, it's not right. And if I were them, I wouldn't be happy. And I just got some feedback on my Etsy store from uh, a customer. Um, and he put a review, you can go read it, where he even said that the, my purchase was a disaster thanks to the post office. But Jason communicated with me and took care of me. And what could have been really negative was very positive because I communicated with him. I listened to him. I sent him a couple extra things because he deserved a little bit of uh, extra for his pain because he paid for a service and he paid for a product and it failed. And I could say, well, it's not my fault. It's the post office's fault. But you know, ultimately, I'm the person that he bought stuff from. So I tried to go out of my way to make sure that I treat every customer, whether they buy a little thing or a big thing, um, as though they are the most important customer, because in their minds and in their world, they are the most important customer. And I think if you keep that attitude, I mean, you could be selling, you know, widgets, or you could be selling, you know, talking sword robot fantasy art, I think what really gives people a good taste in their mouth is they can feel good they've been taken care of. Because even the coolest project, if you're fighting and there's delays and excuses and negativity, I think it ruins, it can ruin the funnest project if there's that much negativity around it. Um, so I try to make people feel good that they're being taken care of because I want them to focus on the fun and how fun these books are and how they're exciting and not some, you know, negative drama around uh, their their money and me taking care of them. I want them to feel, I want everyone to feel like they're the most important customer because they are, because they're the most important customer to them. And I think that's a big part of what makes these things, puts a good taste in your mouth, not a bad taste that you can get taken care of and know that, that you know, you're going to get a product on time or early. Because I think my last one even came out early, like by a month and a half or something like that. So, uh, you know, it's 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 a point of pride I have with these things. Geek point for, geek point for taking care of the people. Absolutely. Yeah, I do. Absolutely. Um, that, that, that is, we, you know, Kayla and I, uh, we have our, our thrift store and, and we've been doing uh, a lot of sales through eBay for some stuff that just wouldn't make sense in the thrift store and being able to communicate to the customer when something goes wrong. I, I screwed up a couple months back and, 
uh, we have these Disney trading pins and I sent the wrong trading pins to uh, two of the customers. I The labels. Yeah. Put the, put the wrong pin into the wrong envelope. Um, it happens. And, yeah. And when, when the customer got it and she was like, I think I got the wrong one. It was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Uh, yeah. Let me get, you know, return envelopes out to you. And, you know, you know, and, and I kept her in the loop the whole way. And I kept the other, the other customer in the loop the whole way. And, you know, I think both of them end up giving us positive reviews because we communicated, which I think kind of going back to the, uh, to the Kickstarter thing is like, even if, you know, something pops up and, and it's going to delay it, communication, you know, treat your backers like their customers um, and, and, you know, keep them in the loop. That's, you know, there's nothing more frustrating than backing something. And especially when you back something, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, expect, you know, expect updates from us. And it's like, once when, when we get an, when we get an updates and then to see like that, the person behind it on other social media, you know, communicating and whatnot. And it's like, OK, I gave you money, but uh, sure, you can post that Bernie Sanders meme. So I've trained salespeople and I've been in sales for so many years and what i'll tell you guys and this is going to turn into like you know jason sales academy but it's very true is that you can sell things day in and day out and no one will take notice of it because most transactions are just in and out done but if you are in sales professionally what will make you or destroy you is that eventually all your customers will have something go wrong it may not be their fault. It may be their fault, right? It's, it doesn't even matter where it comes from. And they'll come to you and they'll just say, help. I need help, right? And what they'll remember, and they'll remember it for years if it goes either way, right, is when they were on the short end of the stick, right? Were you the hero that bailed them out and did a little extra work to make it all get better? Or did you give them a bunch of excuses or even worse yet, hide, <laughs> right? Uh-huh. Or throw them under the bus because then... That's it's like a fumble in a football game or an interception. You know, you can have a great game, but you throw that interception at the goal line. It's all anyone remembers. And Mm -hmm. I've seen that professionally where you'll have these forks in the road where you're remembered for being like, yeah, you know what? You were the guy that either helped me or hurt me. And that's what they'll remember. Like that once or twice over years, they'll say that was a, they'll always remember those extreme moments. And it could be extreme good or extreme bad. And what you're describing, you know, with like, you give someone $100 to buy something really nice and they're giving you a bunch of excuses or hiding from you. And then you see them posting stuff on every social media under the sun. And then, you know, what happens is I think a lot of people don't really even feel empowered to, to say something because they're embarrassed. They don't know what to do. They feel awkward. Um, and, and when you start to make people feel like that, I mean, you've really failed uh, as a salesperson because you want, like I said, you want all your customers to feel special and, and to feel like they're, they are important because they need to be. And again, whether they spend $3 or $2, I mean, shine it up, make them feel like a million mm-hmm. bucks. Like it's not hard, just a pleasant word. Don't make them like the great sales professionals are so good. And I love watching like high end salespeople like run their, their, their skills is that their customers never want their needs are anticipated. Questions are answered before they're even asked. And you take care of people that you, you, all you are is easy. And you just take care of everything. And I do yeah. that every day professionally at work. I do my best, right? If a, one of my customers listens, hey, I'm sorry, I forgot something at some point. But I try to live by that maximum at work. And I, and I try to export that to my art world that I try to treat my art customers 
the way I treat my professional professional buyers, right? Because why wouldn't you? Like, just extend that behavior that you you know at work, extend it to the people that are in your in your in your art world. They deserve it too. Yeah, and I think that goes a long way towards dispelling that uh, that kind of myth that artists are flaky and unreliable. You know, yeah, we're a little <laughs> off, but we're not. You know, that's not what we need to be known for and remembered for. No, and I think one of the the things about Kickstarter that's fascinating is it's it's like literally like we talk about it's on your permanent record, Kayla. Like Kickstarter is like a permanent record. They don't let you take stuff down, edit stuff. So like you can go look at my Kickstarters. You can start combing through the comments and the updates. And I think the only thing that would even I don't even know if it even classifies as a negative comment. There was a, one of them, uh, one of the Lords of the Cosmos, a backer said, "Hey, we haven't seen an update really recently." And then I put like this whole plan out with like everything that was happening by dates. And I apologize. And I said, here's everything. I'm sorry. I, I didn't post this soon enough, but here, here you go. Mm-hmm. And everything was executed after that to that plan. Um, you know, someone got, got ahead of me on it and, you know, Hey, maybe I, 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 if they had to do that, then I failed a little bit, you know, and they called, they made me accountable, but you can go back and look at all of them and say, okay, well, this guy's saying he does a good job. Did he? You can go like I can't shut them down. You can't take them down. You can't edit them. You can't delete comments. So I mean, if someone goes on there and says, "I, you know, I don't like what you're doing," you're you're, you're ripping me off. It's up there. You cannot take it down. It's very permanent. Yeah, yeah, and and I commend you for even caring. You know, there's a lot of people that just don't care. You know, and but you have to if you want to be successful, you have to care about the people that are putting their energy into you. Yeah. So I mean, I would say, go, you know, hey, you, you, I mean, Kickstarter. I mean, you can go on there and say, well, here's a, ba- here's Jason. He's he's made eleven projects. Now you can go back and look at it. I mean, they they are like icons forever. You can go look at them for good or bad. You can go on there and see what what were the people saying. What was there negative? Is it positive? You know, you know, are there updates? Like you can go look. And and I'm I'm proud of of all those projects, big or small. Um, that they were run well and that there's nothing on there that I would look at and say, Ooh, don't look at that one. Like you go look at any of them. And I think they all make, make me look, um, but that they were run well. And I think they made me look like a good creator. So I'm proud of all of them. I'm glad it's a big permanent record. Cause I like it. That is very cool. Cause you are a coolest person with lots of geek points. Well, that's a geek point for that right there. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> but what what other what other random lords of the cosmos kickstarter questions or just random lords of the cosmos because I, I love these uh, questions about the project what, you anything you want to know ask me you know what i loved that i thought was absolutely hysterical and it's a silly thing uh What's but that? you were talking you were talking about the letters and i was scrolling down and i saw the you know do you want to have your letter printed in the letter column and the, yes. the little ad with the little skull face Yes, <laughs> made me laugh. That do you like to stand outside with your fist raised in the air, shouting random passing, shouting at random passing clouds? I was like, yes, yes, yeah. I do. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. Is so I'm 45, and I grew up reading comic books and reading letters, and I remember, you know, that was the era where you would find an error or a question, and you know, you would you would literally. Uh, you would literally write a letter and send it in and, and maybe three months later it would be like oh my goodness they printed my letter i think i have a letter in issue four of the walking dead that is so cool um i commented on one of the action scenes it was in the book and i thought that was really cool um and i think one of the bad things there's plenty but one of the bad things about social media is is that it has wiped out to me the the quirky fun of a letters page yeah, 
Yeah. Because now, you know, people are on Twitter barking at, you know, I don't like what you're saying, you know, and it's, it's, I don't know, there was a cool quirky weirdness to like, you know, I'm going to write a letter to Kayla and talk about, you know, will, will this character fall in love with that character? Was this guy really dead? You know, and they mail it in. Uh-huh. There's, then, there's you- an interesting insurgence that I've seen happening lately uh, with artists, um, and this, this sounds so, but artists on TikTok. Uh, I have noticed lately, because um, it's my new favorite turn off your brain pastime, um, <laughs> but I've noticed lately that a lot of creators, a lot of artists, a lot of people that are showcasing their art are the people that are starting to respond to comments more, hmm. you know, and it's not exactly the same. You're not writing in a letter but you're, you know, you can look at a YouTube video and there's thousands of comments. And nine times out of ten, the creators might comment on, like, goodness, uh, maybe the first, uh, you know, the first couple or whatever. And I'm seeing more and more that artistic creators are being diligent about responding to commenters. Um, well, so if you think about what you know what has changed with creators and fans in the last i don't know 10 or 15 years is that mass sales of things i think have gone away because so much is free now unfortunately with creatives that creators are having to look to to sell the one thing that they can't maybe have taken away is 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 the experience of of talking to them uh and uh, I think Cameo is the website that it's it's become a, a cottage industry of like, do you, do you like this TV actor uh, for a hundred dollars? They'll they'll do a voicemail for you, right? Because huh. now you want now you know now you want to touch you know your favorite you know TV actor or athlete, you know um, that those people are selling the experience and the convention you know the non convention scene now, but the last few years of big conventions. You know, more and more of we're selling the experience of did you like this this artist? Did you like this actor? And I think, you know, comments are a simple way for people to to touch, you know, a creator to, to ask a question, you know, like, why, why did you do that? Or, or what is this? You know, and I think the more that, that those people touch, um, you know, people, what you're describing is that they've been made to feel important because, some, you know, they asked a question, you know, hey, why, why did you do this? Right. Or. Hey, I have a question. Like, did you ever think about this when you were doing that? And and the person may give you some insight. Um, you know, heck, I'll be honest. I'd love to ask William Friedkin what really happens after the end of the French Connection, <laughs> right? I mean, like that's that's one thing that's been on my mind for years. Like, what really happened with Popeye Doyle and and the French guy? They they run off into a building. You hear gunshots, and like the film ends. Now there's French Connection yeah. too, but eh, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> but, but like you know what I mean. Like I'd like to know that, and it'd be cool if I at some point could just be like, "Yo, dude!" Like you know, da, da. um, I just have a bunch of questions for William Friedkin, but that's a, another that's another <laughs> show. Yeah, so, I mean, like if he would speak to me, that would be really neat. You know, like wow, that's, that's a geek that's point cool. just for knowing that. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, I I remember we had a I think it was in middle school. We had like a writing assignment to write to a TV show. Uh, you know, to write a, a, I think it was like a persuasive letter or whatever it was. And a friend of mine wrote to Unsolved Mysteries. Uh, and he got back a letter from Robert Stack with a mm-hmm. autographed, uh, you know, a promo picture. And he was overjoyed. Like, 
for the remainder of our middle school years together, that was like something that he was like, Hey, you remember when I got that, 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 you know, that, that letter back from Robert Stack. Uh-huh. Um, it and, really and, makes you feel connected. Yeah. And, and yeah, but the, the dark side of it is, is like, you know, anytime that say George R. R. Martin posts, he then gets harangued by, you know, a thousand fanboys an hour. When's the next book coming out? Oh boy. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's a general level of rudeness in people's discourse. And I think social media, I mean, obviously has emboldened people to perhaps act a little more or a lot more rude than they would in, in real life. And, you know, so we've created our own monster where, boy, I sure wish we could ask George R. R. Martin questions. And then he shows up and then he just, it just, and, and then the guy just, you know, it's like chasing my, when my kids chase our cat under the bed, you know, she comes <laughs> out and, the, and my kids gang tackle her because she's cute now. And, uh, you know, the cat, the cat just wants to roam around the house and can't wait for them to, to leave. And when you go up and, and crush her, she just goes under the bed of the couch. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I love her so much. <laughs> she's so cute, Daddy. I love her. I'm like, yeah, she doesn't want you to touch her. <laughs> and why is she so cute? Okay, stop. <laughs> leave, leave the cat alone. Um, but yeah, I think that's what happens. And of course, what do they say? There's, you know, someone's always going to ruin a good thing. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's someone that, that you want to know more about. And then, of course, someone if someone's rude or offensive, um, you know, uh, it, it just becomes poor taste and it, it only takes one person to be you know a jerk to um you know give make people very defensive and i, and I think unfortunately you know whether you like the, the new star wars films or not some of the behavior that's been exhibited towards the actor in those films is, is reprehensible you know to the point that i think some of them you know like i, I can't even be on uh, social media because right. i'm just harassed and it's just like they're actors. I mean, like they're executing a script. Whether you like the the films or not is irrelevant. Like, why are you harassing working people at their jobs? They've done no wrong, and and it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, Tom Felton almost quit Harry Potter because he was so harassed for playing Draco Malfoy. Right. Well, because Draco's a bad. Guy. I mean, it's 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 stupid. I mean, there's yeah. a, there's a there's a crazy story. I think. Urban myth, but I'm pretty. I'll believe it, but you'll have to fact check me on this one. That the actor that played the guy that killed John Wayne in like True Grit or something like that, like was accosted or slapped by some old lady for killing John Wayne, and it's just like, whoa. And and again, I don't remember who told me that. It could have been my dad, but you know, it's like, yeah, John Wayne didn't didn't die in the movie. Yeah, Draco's not really a bad. He's, he's probably right. Nice he's boy. actually a really nice guy who's been through it's, it's, a lot of shit because of this. Yeah, right. He didn't really like. I see. I didn't even know that. Like, I just can't. Oh my yeah, God. Like, yeah. He went through some real rough stuff because of that. Like, they're mad because Draco's a bad. Oh my God. I'm, I'm sorry. My brain hurts from you even telling me that's. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I mean, like in in sorry. the theater. Sorry. Uh, in the theater world, we we talk a lot about because um, my background started in theater, and you talk a lot about uh, if people don't like you when you're playing a villain, you know you're doing your job. But right. there's there's a there's a line where yes, you get booed when you come out to do your your call, your curtain call, because you did such a good job and you were such an evil villain. But then those boos turn to applause. 
because people understand that that's what you did and you're an actor. And these days, those lines are blurred and people don't, I I don't understand how you cannot understand that, but it's a thing. Um, You know, I, I I think that people are so connected with entertainment and, and of course that's helped the entertainment industry to, to build income and build fans. But at the same time, you know, are there people that perhaps aren't all there um, that they're too involved with it? And, you know, again, like we're, we're mad at Draco Draco's pretend he doesn't exist, you know, and again, go back to my goofy John Wayne story of like, I'm mad because you killed the Duke. It's like the, 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 the Duke's not real. He's an actor. The guy that killed him is an actor. It's, it's pretend. And, you know, again, if you can't understand that, it's it's like okay. I mean, like it's it's all pretend play. Like it's all fake. Like uh, you know what I mean. Like is is that a is that a you know mental health issue or a public menace issue? I don't. But that that's that Draco thing. Honestly, I never heard that. That that is. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm still. That's awful. Yeah. <laughs> like that. Yeah. That is legitimately awful. I remember that that feeling very to- bad for him. Just oh. Oh my! I feel bad now hearing that. I mean, I felt horrible reading about those people from uh, Star Stars. I mean, I love college sports, right? So I'm a big Penn State fan. So I I always read, you know, a lot of the high school recruiting stuff. And there is a sub uh, a sub world of that of you know high profile high school athlete. You know, they have like uh, a selection thing where they'll say they'll have like hats on a table, mm-hmm. or in some case they'll produce videos and say like, you know, I could go you know, to Old Miss or Penn State or, you know, Arizona State, and then they'll pick one, and you'll have these meathead uh, fans online trashing these, you know, they're, I mean, what, 17 years old? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, look, if, if it's cool, like, you know, sometimes, you know, I, you know, I'll say, hey, it's excited to see you play here, and I've actually had some athletes be like, dude, cool, you know, dude, if you ain't got anything positive to say to like, a young athlete, just don't say anything, and so I think it's, it's you know, well, F you if you're not going to play for you know this school, dude. We're, we're a bunch of middle aged dudes that sit at home and watch games on TV. Like it, it's nice that these young people crush themselves for my entertainment. It, go away if if you can't be positive towards these people. Just sh- but again, like that that's me. I'm like just say nothing. And look, I've been disappointed that players haven't played for the team. I want what are you going to say? I mean, just say mm-hmm. nothing. Yeah. Good for them. They're going to go. It's the, it, it's so bizarre to me that like again these middle aged adults are like attacking kids i mean so, some of them are minors you know and it's it's it reminds me of the draco malfoy thing. it's like i'm sorry that the tailback didn't go to you know your school like he's 17 go yeah. away yeah. not kids player, got a life and shit going on that you have no idea about yeah let it go it just uh yeah there's a lot right. of that yeah, I think so I part think... of the problem is that with the with the creation of social media, it has gotten too easy to yes. contact people or uh, to put your opinions out there in the public forum, and it is so easy to do with no fear of backlash. Yes, you know, if you were to walk up to this person in the supermarket and say the things that you say. You're gonna get punched in the mouth. Yeah. Very, very, true. <laughs> yeah. very true. But online, um, no, I can, I can, I can bully and I can say everything that I want, and nothing is going to happen to me. Yeah. Really. Well, you know, so, so I think going back to Kale's point, you know, I think as creators interact more with fans, it can be very positive, and and I don't want to take away from that because I hope there are more positive interactions between 
creators. And I think taking the time to talk to people, it builds it builds those micro relationships. Um, you know, kind of going back to having a Kickstarter come out. Um, you know, I've I mean, I've gotten a lot of like DMs and emails and, and private messages from people. And I, I, you know, and look, maybe to them, I'm, I'm a little bit of, oh, my goodness, you know, Jason has some level of, you know, fame above me. And I, and look, I, it, that's like, it's, it's embarrassing to even say that. But, you know, I appreciate when those people write me notes. and I, I just try to take a minute to write them back because, you know, w- what is the impact of them writing to me? Like, you know, if I act like a, a, a poor mouth or ignorant, like, you know, how much does that affect them? I don't know. I mean, but I try to take it seriously and, and be very positive, you know, back to every single person. Uh, I'm not inundated with so much that I, I can't take the time to do it. But I, I really I, I always, you know, feel humbled when I get a note from someone because they noticed me and they, and they took the time to write me a note. So I always try to take time to, to write back and and say thanks, because I think those people deserve that. But that's just, you know, again, my thought on it is don't take it for granted, because as soon as you think like, bah, whatever, maybe it goes away. And then you're like, oh, wait, don't you care anymore? And it's like, no, because people, you know, were, were trying to, you know, engage with you. And, and because they respected you enough to do that, that they that they, you know, invested a little bit of time and money to support your projects, like give them a little love back. Um, look, I've been lucky. I haven't had like the negative, uh, you know talk or, or weird stuff uh you know so knock on wood that hasn't happened to me but um i've had a little bit of it and i think you know one thing is you know okay well, well we can block you or you know delete you um but i haven't been exposed to like some of the the viciousness i think that some people have that are you know more high profile obviously um so i'm thankful for that i'm thankful i'm, I'm thankful for the positivity from from the people and it's it's uh, I, you know it makes me feel good i'll appreciate it I, and I have to say, you know, just, you know, having spoken to you now twice, you know, you, it, everything it seems that you're doing is coming from a very positive place. You know, you're about creating, you're about telling the story, you're about, you know, providing people with as much fun as you can in, you know, in, in your chosen art form. And I think when you put that out in the universe, yeah, there's going to be a little bit of, a little bit of negativity here and there. But I think if you're putting that out and you're responding to people, like you want to be, you know, in a, in a positive manner, that's what you're, you're going to get back. And that's why at least I hope. And I mean, I'm looking, you know, we're in, we're in a similar condition. Like, you know, every time I see like someone write us a, a positive review on like, you know, iTunes or, or wherever, it's like, I have to go right away, copy it, share it to the, share it to our, our group chat. And I'm over the moon for like the next two, three days. You can ask Kayla. I, I Oh yeah. Yeah, you know, we get another five star review on on somewhere, and I'm just like, we we got reviewed, or uh, months ago we got included on like you know the top seven small geek podcasts you could be listening you should be listening to, and it was like, wow, yeah, it was like that was I, super I, cool. I, I didn't even know what to say. Uh, <laughs> like I I, op- I opened up my opened up Twitter, and I was like, Yo, you know, you got notifications, and it was like you've been tagged in something. And I was like, what what have I been tagged? And I like. I had no, I, I, even now I'm talking about it, I get like flustered, like so people actually listen and think yeah. you do a good job. Oh my God. Well, yes, if you people at, like us. If, if you look at, if you look at creatives and it could be a photographer, a model, a podcaster, anyone that's making something, right? You've created, you guys have created, uh, you know, listenable content, right? So I make art and comic books, right? Um, you do expose yourself to you're putting yourself out there, which 
I think takes bravery for anyone to do that because you run the risk of someone just saying, you guys suck. Right. And like that, I don't care who you are. I still think that hurts, you know, like we're like, oh, your, your thing's terrible. I hate it. You know, you, you, it's no good. It's crap, you know? And I think it's, it's brave for anyone to take that leap from civilian to creator because you run the risk of someone just saying this is terrible. And again, I, I will repeat it. I think it will hurt anyone's ego, especially mm-hmm. the first few times you hear that, that just you suck. Not even like constructive criticism, but just kind of like the raw internet comment of like, you guys suck or this sucks. Your art sucks. Your book sucks. I hated it. And, you know, it. Yeah. you have to be prepared for that. And, and you got to have a little bravery because it will happen to everybody. Um if someone just says you suck, I hate it, and it, it it'll hurt, it'll sting a little bit, right? And because everyone likes to be loved, you know, you eventually you run into people that don't like you for whatever reason, um, and it still will hurt. Now, perhaps it's because there's something you could do better, right? So I think you have to draw the line between, you know, <laughs> what's constructive criticism and what's just you know hating. This sucks. Well, why does it suck? You know, hmm. well, maybe you can tell me something good. So you know, to me, you know, so. There was a question on the Kickstarter. Um, one of the fans wrote me and said, hey, you said on the reward I picked that there would be a gallery in the story for the original art. But in the story, it says the gallery will be up after the, uh, you know, uh, Kickstarter's over. That's inaccurate. And I wrote a, an apology note back and, and I said, well, we can't edit the rewards, but we'll put the galleries in, in the Kickstarter because we can still edit that. And I'm very sorry for the inconvenience. And I th- and I said, thanks for letting me know because we, we made an error and we didn't catch it. And, uh, you know, so to me, that's not saying you suck. That's saying, hey, I found an error. So I, I don't ever want to shut that down because I don't care how many sets of eyes you have on this stuff. Eventually, you know, a person that gave us money pointed out an error, an error. you know, yeah. like, oh. Let's let's uh, so it would be like if you guys have like a, a hissing noise on audio, like you, you would want someone to say, Hey, you know, I was listening to the show, but there's this weird noise. Oh, wow, shoot, thanks. Yeah, well, you, you're like, gonna want to fix that, absolutely. Art itself, in all of its forms, is about vulnerability. Yes, you cannot have art without vulnerability, sure, you know, and it's about our resilience to that, and it's about how we we embrace that vulnerability and and do it anyway and and be part of of and and kind of lean in to that vulnerability and allow yourself to be open and create that art i think that's that's like an andy warhol geek point moment for kayla that that was that was (laughs) profound thank Uh, you agreed um we could we could go on for a while oh we could right um but and 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 all of us being creatives uh we've we've all poured our hearts on our sleeves but uh to considerate of time let's uh do some shifting over to some geek news geek sure, news so Got it. who wants to go <laughs> not it <All> right. <laughs> okay i guess that's me we um, always make joe go first <laughs> uh i I, ha- I don't believe i have any grim uh news to 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 give this week oh thank goodness thank god uh, but somehow, Jason, it's become my job to do all the eulogies and and in memoriams on this show. But there, That's there exciting. is one though. There is one. But there is one. Oh, what did we miss? Uh, we missed uh, Larry King passed away yesterday. Oh wow, that is that is true. Larry That's King did right. pass away. Uh, broadcasting legend. Uh, and if you are familiar with South Florida radio, we were one of the places that he got his start. And uh, 
when when I heard the news yesterday, my dad sent me a text. He's like, "So I wonder if that means that Neil Rogers got, finally got his fifty dollars back." Uh, one of our other local radio hosts had a uh, had a, a bit that he would a sound bit that he would drop in every so often of Larry asking to borrow fifty dollars. So, uh, but yeah, you know, I mean, Larry Larry King, uh, long career radio, television, and the internet. Um, and he's probably interviewed just about everybody that you'd ever want to interview, except for Jason, right? I mean, yeah, no, we get that. So you're right. I, I missed that one. So uh, thank you. Thanks, Will. Sorry. No, it's okay. Um, I took your job. <laughs> uh, our news director. <laughs> yes. Uh, so the, the first bit of news I have is kind of in the continuing uh, streaming wars, which I'm calling the streaming wars because why not? Uh, it was announced today that NBC Universal's Peacock will now have the exclusive rights to WWE Network for American viewers. Oh, boy. Really? So wait, yep. you, I can't watch uh, like SmackDown and Raw if I want to unless I have Peacock? I believe you can still watch them on the networks that carry them. But if you were a subscriber to the WWE network, um, that, uh, that will be moving to Peacock on March 18th, 2021. And this is coming from variety. Um, the Peacock will begin a rollout of more than 17,000 hours of WWE network, new original and library program programming, both on, on demand and a new 24-hour channel. Uh, the NBC uh, Universal streaming service will have all WWE live events with for no additional charge, including WrestleMania and SummerSlam, with Fastlane, the first event to stream on Peacock on Sunday, March 21st. Uh, you can still order via traditional pay-per-view if you would like. Uh, WWE's network will be available on Peacock Premium, which includes ads for $4.99 per month, half the price of WWE Network's current $9.99 per month. Uh, the no commercial Peacock premium plan, will, which costs $9.99 a month, will also include WWE Network. So, so does that mean WWE Network was a success or a failure? Because I remember Vince McMahon, when that was kind of up and coming, it was like the, the next greatest thing. Oh, my goodness. You know, that that's now, you know, wrestling has always been very product oriented. Is that a win or a loss for the for WWE? I, I don't even know. I can't even answer. It was it. an absolute success. OK, uh, so third. So getting picked up as a success. OK, yeah. So uh, what they're saying in the third quarter of 2020, which I guess is the last one we have information for, uh, the network had an average paid subscription uh, subscriber base of 1.6 million, which was down 60,000 from the prior quarter, but for the year overall was 6% uh, higher uh, year over year. Uh, it was the service's first annual growth since first quarter of 2019. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's been around, it was going, it would, it would have celebrated or it's going to celebrate its seventh year of existence this February. Wow. Um, but yeah, it's, it is, Moving, joining with uh, NBC Universal, which they also had just announced that they were uh, NBC Universal was going to be folding up the NBC Sports uh, channel uh, <laughs> and rolling rolling some of that into USA Network or rolling it onto Peacock. Um, so it's well, it's not surprising that they would go with Peacock because 
NBC and WWE have had a long-standing relationship. Oh yeah. Um, and as far as their networking shows, you never really could watch those on the network until they were already like three or four months old. Um, and I mean, they just signed a, a, a billion dollar deal with Fox. Uh, now they've signed another reportedly billion dollar deal with NBC. So it, they must be doing something right. Yeah. I mean, they, they get my 10 bucks a month just because I want to watch the pay-per-views and not spend 50 bucks. Yeah, so. Wrestling is, is one of those things that it's like, I feel that wrestling will never, it, it will never be consistently always super popular, but it's one of those things that it just has its hooks and like the, the American psyche that like it kind of, it's there. And then it like flares up because of one or two like transcendent uh, wrestlers. And then it kind of, and those people tend to like want to get out and become, you know, media stars like the rock and then it kind of kind of goes back down but it never like some people make fun of it i don't know i've kind of grown to appreciate the older i've gotten and uh i always try to keep a little bit of a finger on the wrestling world um because i i it, it is fascinating in a way that i can't even explain to myself but <laughs> I, I like watching people pretend hit each other uh, I, I put it on the other day and my kids and, and wife were watching it and my wife was just like, this is so dumb. I, I can't stand it. But I was like, can we keep watching? And, and, uh, yeah, I, I can't quit it. I, I did something similar uh, a while, a couple pay-per-views back. Uh, Will was like, you got to show Kayla the, the this match. And we sat down and watched it and you know, I think Kayla had said, you know, when we talked about this on the show, it's like the last time she had watched any professional wrestling was kind of in that 80s, early 90s period where, you know, it was costumes and, and just mm -hmm. ridiculousness. And this was, you know, storytelling via, you know, via body slams. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I, it's it's interesting um, to just like... <sighs> I was saying last night we were we were talking about uh, we were talking about liquor because uh, uh, we were talking about aviation gin and we we're you know whether or not Ryan Reynolds like owns it or he has an ownership stake and it's like come to find out like it's been purchased by this huge conglomerate that has like a ton of brands like and, and brands that you're like it, they have Tangeray and Gordon's and it's like okay so you have like three or four of the top gin. And, you know, they have Johnny Walker and, you know, a bunch of other scotch and they had uh, Harp and uh, not Harp, uh, Guinness and a, a couple other beers and a couple other. And I was like, it, when it's so weird to now think like, oh, you think of this as a brand. But when you look at behind the brand, it's, you know, it's owned by one of three companies. And wait, that feels like I'm diving into conspiracy theory uh, territory now. <laughs> <laughs> Run away! What other news do you have? Uh, the only other thing I wanted to bring up is uh, starting in 2022, WWE will produce one senior documentary annually for the network on Peacock, uh, which uh, will will also uh, they will also include like Steve Austin's Broken Skull Sessions podcast uh, and a bunch of other stuff. So that's that was one two. Uh, this is something we talked about uh, not too long ago that Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman had dropped their lawsuit against Wizards of the Coast. Uh, and uh, one of them had tweeted out, you know, keep your eyes out, something good's coming. 
And then um, there was a leak on, I think it was Penguin Random House's uh, website, or maybe it was Amazon, that uh, put out a date for uh, for a, a, a Dragonlance novel to come out. Well, they have formally come out, Weiss and Hickman, to say that there will indeed be a new trilogy. Uh, and this is from their press release that they sent out today. Um, Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman are pleased to announce a multi-year licensing agreement with Wizards of the Coast to produce a new three-book series of classic Dragonlance novels. The new trilogy will return fans to the most beloved characters from the original novels, along with introducing a new strong protagonist. The books will be published by Delray Books, an imprint of Penguin Random House. Although a publishing date has not yet been firmly set, this they anticipate announcing when the first book will be released later this year. Um, according to the information that came out when they were suing Wizards of the Coast, is they had finished a first draft, had sent it in, and were like 80% finished on the uh, on the on the the rewrites when Wizards allegedly had tried to pull the plug on it, um, and that's what sparked the rather large lawsuit. Um, so uh, we will, should be getting a new set of Dragonlance novels that should feature uh, the original characters plus a, a new protagonist, which um, I love the Dragonlance novels, don't get me wrong, and I've read all the ones that include, uh, that were written by Weiss and Hickman that include the original uh, characters. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert, several of them have died. Like, and they've done a good job of keeping them dead. Um, maybe maybe a ghostly appearance once in a while, but they've been dead. So it's it's like I it's sort of like my feeling about the whole Indiana the 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 fifth Indiana Jones movie. It's like I don't I don't really know if I need to see Harrison Ford that old. I don't know if I need to see the you know an even more aged uh you know Caramon or uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Come on, don't you want to see an 80-year-old action star slug it out with the uh, young people? Come on. Well, I just watched the next Bruce Willis, uh, Bruce Willis movie that comes out. Uh. Oh. Shots fired, I know. <clears throat> um, Ding, so- round one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's that that's my two bits of news for for Geekdom. I I mean, honestly, let's be honest. Book comes out it will be on my Amazon wish list, and and those who love me can get it for me for my birthday or Christmas or whenever. I well, will put that on the list. <laughs> so I, I actually have some geeky news if I could share. Please, absolutely. So there's been a movie that I've been following online till it came out, and my my older son who's eight and I watched it on video on demand this weekend, and it's called Psycho Gorman, and Psycho Gorman for geeky stuff is freaking awesome. It's basically like if Power Rangers was mixed with like Pulp Fiction and it's completely original and it's got whacked out a wacky story, a wacky cast, a lovable monster and little kid and really great practical special effects. And I love Psycho Gorman. Like I think everyone that likes geeky stuff, do yourself a favor and check out Psycho Gorman. It's great. It was just crazy dumb fun, and I loved it. And it was so cool. And uh, I'd seen some clips and stuff for months uh, before it had come out. And uh, it, ju- it just was great. I just love Psycho Gorman. It was so cool. Is it, have, have any of you heard about it at all? No, this is the first, first time I've heard about it. 
Did yeah, and I, I tweeted at Psycho Gorman, and I was like, my my son asked uh, if you would bring me on to do work for the the sequel that we, my son and I, we want we want Psycho Gorman too, and uh, <laughs> they like the tweets. So hey, Psycho Gorman, hire me. But no, seriously, Psycho <laughs> Gorman, if you like geeky stuff, like it pains me, like when it, it's like something like Indiana Jones because it's it just it never ends. And one of the things I liked about Psycho Gorman was it stood on its own two feet. It's all new, all original. Um, and I appreciate the fact that they did something different. Uh, it's just a really kick-ass. It kind of remind me of Turbo Kid and Kung Fury, kind of that vein of kind of over-the-top retro silliness. Um, it's great. If you're a geek, check out Psycho Gorman. It's 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 really cool. I'll definitely have to check that out. Yeah. Okay. What Anybody? you got, Will? Uh, so I got some fun stuff. Um, there's a new TV show coming out, uh, The Snoopy Show. Uh, their original, their official trailer dropped today. Uh, it will be on Apple, uh, Apple Plus. Everything's a plus nowadays. Yes. Uh, so we go ahead and give that, give that a look over because it looks really, really cute. Um, other couple pieces of Star Wars news is, um, so I'm getting this from, we've got it, we got this covered. Uh, and they have been remarkably good on their uh, reporting. Uh, it has been now three years since Solo, a Star Wars story, have gone has, has gone out into the world. We hmm. know that there's a Lando TV series in development. Uh, we do not know whether it will feature Donald Glover or Billy D. Williams or both. I'm hoping hmm. for both. Um, However, uh, the same folks who um, threw out the rumor of, uh, well, we can talk about the finale of Mandalorian now, yes, right? Yes, we can. It, it's yes. safe. We're safe. We're safe. Okay. Yes. Uh, so the same people who uh, hinted out the fact that Luke Skywalker would appear uh, mm -hmm. and Ahsoka Tano would appear um, have also come out and leaked that solo and kira will be appearing in the mandalorian universe soon this is mm -hmm. rumor at this point uh as uh mark hamill has said they are very very they run a very tight ship over there um leaks don't really happen but these same sources have been absolutely on point before so there's a possibility that we may see Hans uh, a continuation of the Han Solo Kira storyline. So I, I have a question that you guys are definitely more tied into the, the, the media than me is what what is the upside of telling secrets and spoilers? So like I know something really cool, right? I would think let's keep it secret, but like what but people are always like wanting to leak and spoil things. Is it money or is it just getting attention? Like what, what is the end? I've never understood that. What's the end game of doing? Well, a lot of times, especially with when you, when you have a production company um, and, and a show like Mandalorian where they can, they have proven that they can keep, they can keep it on lock. Um, some people will be, you know, there, there, there's a lot of people involved and, it could be that someone on the inside is just, hey, we want to keep this. We want to keep people talking mm -hmm. because so Mandalorian be is going to be over a year till we see it again. Mm -hmm. um, they've got all kinds of new projects coming up. 
but they want to keep they want to keep their name in the news. So yeah. hey, hint, hint, nudge, nudge, maybe, maybe, rumor, and people like us talk about it because, well, that'd be freaking awesome. So you're saying that it's like an intentional thing, like I'll leak news about myself, hoping that people like you talk about it. Okay, that's Correct. that's cool. Yeah. I mean, to to kind of get on this, like uh, Pedro Pascal in the last couple of weeks has been giving inter- interviews, uh, one with Indie Wire. He's all over the place, like teasing what season three could be like, um, you know, and there's hinting at possibility of uh, crossovers between the, the, the upcoming Star Wars properties. Um, I, I think, as Will's saying, it's, it's just to keep the buzz going. It's just to some of it is. I think also some of it also could be also, you know, they are big companies and, you know, someone gets let go. There's some. You know, some sour grapes and hmm. it's interesting. So I wonder if this if this leak, let's assume it's real. I wonder if it's a self-serving hype leak or if it's I'm angry and I'm going to leak it to ruin your, your show. It's interesting to think about that, that it could, it could be it could go either way, but be the same thing. But from two different, uh, I guess, perspectives. It's interesting. Well, see, they, they were able to keep the lid on Luke Skywalker showing up in the finale for two years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, oh, there's rumors because, well, as soon as you mention you have this, you know, this this force wielding character, well, they're going to have to be involved with a Jedi sooner or later. Who could it be? And now we're just going to be talking and thinking, well, who could it be? Who's it around? But no one had a clue until the day of shooting when Mark Hamill showed up on set. Hmm. No yeah, one there had any clue. And Mark yeah, Hamill actually... was on record of saying that. Yep. Yeah, there's um, uh, Rosario Dawson talked about it. Uh, uh, Bo talked about it. There's there's a bunch of stuff where there, and it's on Geek Tyrant actually that they were talking about that nobody knew, and they had a stand-in on set. Hmm. So yeah, they kept that one real under wraps. So my other piece of Star Wars news, and I I am absolutely positively ecstatic about this. Oh, um, it it is apparent that we are going to get a new Knights of the Old Republic video game, and hmm. it is reportedly in development outside of EA. Dun-dun-dun! Mm. This, this is like the second or third thing that they have now announced is outside of EA. Well, EA is no longer... EA and um, through their subsidiaries are not the sole... Yeah holder of the star wars universe for video games um multiple sources uh have already said that um there's going to be several games that are coming out outside of vea and slash bioware um including with ubisoft right that's the mmo they're they're talking about doing right uh i who knows i mean ubisoft has done assassin's creed they've done all kinds of other great amazing games um an open world sandbox knights of the old republic game okay i'm in sign me up you you can have (laughs) so you can have all of the monies so is ea and and look i could be totally wrong on this i've always kind of gotten this feeling that nobody likes ea and I, i and hey i could be totally wrong and and not understand it but 
I don't like EA personally because of what they did to one of my favorite game series years ago, Command and Conquer. Um, am I wrong in saying that? Uh, or, or is that kind of a general consensus that there's a lot of anger toward EA? EA, once upon a time, was the game in town. If you wanted to have someone produce your game, they were the ones that you wanted to go to. Uh-huh. The problem that a lot of people have with the EA is that they started going into the one size fits all approach and they are going to put all of their focus into their 2k games with their sports division because that's where all the money was mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then they went into if we're going to make an uh, a a video game where there's going to be any kind of an online thing we're going to go into the microtransactions and it mm-hmm. just spiraled out of control from there but i, I think the real Part of it is that they want to put all of their focus on their real money makers, which is their 2K games, whether it be baseball, football, hockey, uh, college sports, soccer, college sports, you know, MMA, whatever it is. That's their bread. That's their that's their money right there. That's the bread and butter. That's, yeah, they 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 were also um, and, and one of the 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 things that they did that left bad tastes in people's mouths is they would buy up other studios mm-hmm. and then gut them and you know roll over whatever projects were going on there to you know their the the in-house group and things were getting behind and things weren't coming out you know weren't, weren't coming out to the quality that they were expected and mm-hmm. yeah yeah so i love the command and conquer series which is kind of like old school pc rts gaming right. and uh EA bought Westwood, and then they made a couple games that I thought were okay, and then Command and Conquer Four was kind of this. And boy, we're really going down the rabbit hole. But let me complain about Command and Conquer on this show. Like they morphed it completely into a microtransaction thing, and mm. literally the hate for that game I think still kind of reverberates around that part of the computer game world that just that it was such a cool franchise and they just trashed it and uh yeah i, I rem- and that's why i asked because like I, I remember being excited about that game coming out years ago and even when the internet wasn't as connected as it was today it was just this hate wave for you know we hate ea they killed command and conquer it was such a cool they just they bought westwood they had to do it their way and they wrecked it why did you do this and uh, if you want to read some hateful reviews, go to uh, Amazon and read the reviews for Command and Conquer Four. It's brutal. Oh, goodness. Yes, there, 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 there's some obscure, obscure geek uh, anger right there. I'm, I'm, I'm shaking my fist in the air right now, Kelly. Right now, I'm really shaking it. <laughs> geek I, point I for the, geek anger. I, yes, I remember the Command and Conquer games. Those were some good games. They're just, they're just, yeah, they did, they hit a street, a sweet spot with gamers. I don't know. I think they're just really cool games. So. So, Will, was that the last of your... No, I have two more. Uh, okay. Uh, I'm, I'm going to bring it up. I re- probably shouldn't, but I'm going to bring it up. Um, there are conflicting reports. Uh, the Hollywood Reporter and Variety uh, have both reported that there is a Harry Potter TV series in mm. early stages of development for HBO Max. Oh, that's risky. However... The studio and uh, Universal and HBO uh, are are saying no, there isn't in Hmm. any stage of development. 
So there, there are conflicting stories out there about that one. Mm. Um, I don't know. I, I'm kind of okay with it. Hmm. The, the whole Harry Potter franchise is in such a weird state right now. Why is you that? Know? Um, a lot of it has to do with uh, J.K. Rowling making some uh, rather unfavorable statements oh. about transgender people. Okay, you know what, I totally, okay, I forgot about that, but yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so there's there's a bit of conflict there. Um, some people are completely canceling it, other people are choosing to love the art for the art itself and uh, put the views of the author aside. Uh, uh, Daniel Ratcliffe has come out and made statements. There's been back and forth and back and forth about it for a while now. Um, she doesn't seem to be backing down it's i i i don't even know right now um but that's why i said oh that's risky uh mm. to put you know that kind of money into a franchise that's in that kind of turmoil you know especially like i mean universal studios has put all this money into it like there's all this stuff going on to to do something like that right now could either you know make or break the franchise wow yeah yeah and shame on me i totally forgot about all that it's weird i i i'm not really into harry potter but i I totally forgot. I didn't make that connection that that's been going on in Harry Potter. I, I apologize. That I was like, oh, yeah, wait, yeah, and yeah, it, that's, it, it that's is. It's around heartbreaking. for a minute. Yeah, that's that's. It's not. It's not. You know, new news or anything. And and some people have kind of just let it go by the wayside. And it is a tough. It's a tough thing for people because, like, we grew. You know, I I put my kids to bed reading Harry Potter books. You know, and it's so much a part of so many things, and people have found such love and acceptance and good things within it. You know, and and this is something that is a conflict that has gone on since the beginning of time, since the beginning of art. There has been the conflict between art and the artist. Hmm. You know, and this is just another example of that. Um, but I digress. Will you yeah. have other things? Well, yeah. well just yeah, one yeah. one question with it. Will there's like. The, this whole franchise has some interesting uh, rights issues with it too, because as I recall, like so, it's Warner Brothers, it's Wizarding World, and NBC Universal uh, back again uh, all have like some muddied contractual rights to to these properties. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, I, kudos to the to the lawyers who are gonna fight that one out in court and then make a bunch of money um, <laughs> i go hey you know what uh i'm of the mind of if you're already paying for it at least enjoy it because mm -hmm. i've already got the hbo max uh, i'm not going to cancel it because they have harry potter um mm -hmm. that being said i probably wouldn't go out and buy any more of her books and that's just a personal thing. But I mean, to say I, I'm going to shove my nose up at everything because of one thing. I don't know about that. It's tough. It's a tough call. It really yeah. is. And everybody has to make that call for themselves. Absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, there was a really good podcast that I've listened to talking about uh, the controversy with Roman Polanski and fans wanting to enjoy uh, Rosemary's baby. Hmm. And uh, I, I had not, uh, gone to see that or you know I'm not that old but um, I had avoided seeing it because I never wanted to support Roman Polanski and uh, it, it was a Black Mass Appeal it's a podcast that's really cool that I, I make it a point to listen to and hey full disclosure I've been on their show uh, a couple times as a guest but they did a really thoughtful discussion about that movie 
and uh, the hosts and they had guests on and they really did a, a really, really in-depth discussion about is it wrong to enjoy this with the, the controversy around Roman Polanski? And, and just a few of the, the interesting points that I'm just remembering thinking about this was one, how many people had to make those movies and that, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't, isn't just Roman Polanski making it on his own. There was a ton of people. Um, and you know, you're, you're not supporting those people by not seeing the film. But one of the other interesting things that one of their hosts made a point was when was the film made in relationship to the scandal? Right. And one of the things they pointed out was that this film was made in like 71 or 72 and uh, his his scandal had happened later. And that uh, the host had made a really, uh, I thought, interesting point about was this made to help serve uh, some financial need based on the scandal or, or when was it made? It was a really thoughtful discussion about something that I had actually had some, you know, you know, a feeling that I didn't want to watch it. And, and I always wanted to see the film. Uh, and, and after I listened to their discussion, I, I, I did get a copy of the film uh, to watch. I, I felt OK getting it after I heard this discussion. Um, and look, I'm not saying it's the same thing, um, but I mean, just kind of coming in as a very casual Harry Potter fan. Um, or, yeah, I saw the, the films and we have the DVDs of the movies and I you know occasionally watch them um, is that it, 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 I could see that it would be odd because on the one hand you have, you know, uh, rallying but then you have the actors that like they're like well that's not what we're about so i mean it's like it, it's it, i could see how it really would be complex for fans to say like well am i supporting this writer uh and but what about the actors like yeah it, 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 it's definitely yeah I, I it is not a black it, and white issue no no i mean for me i'm not like it's not in my fandom wheelhouse um but i i could but again i i of course, I'm going to go back to Rosemary's Baby. That it, it, it took me listening to a two-hour panel discussion about the film to to feel okay enough to get a copy of the film decades later. Um, I've had that discussion uh, with people, and my thing with it is that I am a fan of the author. I read Eleven, one of the very first sci-fi books that I ever read um, was uh, This Perfect Day. Mm-hmm which is done by Ira Levin. And one of the things that I said in that situation was, yes, let's support the actors that did that. It's unfortunate that Polanski, but go back and read the book. In a situation like that, you can go back and, you know, Ira Levin is an incredible author. You can go back and read the book and support the original, the original artist. Hmm. Um, But with Harry Potter, it's a little bit different because JK Rowling's is the original artist. So yeah, definitely not a black and white issue. Wow. (laughs) Okay. Uh, And I'm gonna throw you you point, Caleb, for the the Ira Levin. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, a that's a great point. And if you haven't read it, read this perfect day. Really thought provoking book. (laughs) Just to put my my stamp in there. So anyway, well, sorry, (laughs) keep derailing you. (laughs) It's fine. This is what we do. Um, so my last little bit of news is we're coming up on uh, the football uh, season finale um, of that mm. sports ball franchise. I, I, uh, I hear I hear it's a it's a, it's a pretty good game. Uh, I, I'm going to assume I, I've personally only been born when I was working. Um, this year's Super Bowl, however, will be different. Uh, whether you enjoy watching the game or not, most people like to go and watch it for the commercials. 
Mm. Yes, please. Uh, and this year will be different. Uh oh. Um, the third the the third part of the trifecta has announced that they will be pulling out of the commercial game this year. Uh, Budweiser, the king of beers, will have no Super Bowl commercial mm. this year. Whoa. Uh, they are the latest of the corporations to back out of advertising. Uh, this hmm. I'm getting from the New York Post. Uh, this will be the first time in 37 years that the company will not air a commercial uh, by the Anheuser-Busch Corporation, which owns Budweiser. Um, their uh, statement is, uh, and I'm quoting here, like everyone else, we are eager to get people back together, reopen restaurants and bars. And be able to gather to cheers with friends and family, said Monica Rusci, vice president of marketing at Budweiser. And to do this and bring customers back into neighborhood bars and restaurants that are hit exceptionally hard by the pandemic, we're stepping in to support critical awareness of the COVID-19 vaccine. Okay. Um, a 30-second spot is going to reportedly go for about $55 million apiece. Uh, Budweiser is uh, instead routing some of that money to the Ad Council's efforts to raise public awareness about the vaccine, as well as a 90-second COVID-themed film called Bigger Picture, narrated by actress Rashida Jones. Uh, it will air digitally leading up to the Super Bowl, uh, which is on February 7th. Suddenly, uh, I need a beer. Oh my goodness, I, you guys disappeared, and I, I didn't hear what happened to Budweiser. Why did they leave? I was on the edge of my seat. Uh, they are going to be supporting the Ad Council's uh, efforts to get out the word about the COVID vaccine and the importance oh. of it. Uh, they will be joining Pepsi, Coke, and Hyundai, which will also take a step back and reallocate some of the funds. Um, Pepsi will, be, uh, for example, will focus primarily on the halftime show instead of buying a 30-second commercial. They're going to double down on the 12 minutes that Pepsi already has in the middle of a game. Hmm. Uh, Coca-Cola will run no ads in this year's broadcast uh, and quoting to ensure that we are investing in the right resources during these unprecedented times. Uh, so it sounds like they have a better use for $55 million, like I don't know, paying their employees to be able to work. Uh, I mean, I'm all for it. I mean, you've, you've got that. And then you also think about these productions, these commercials take, you know, actors, writers, you know, all sorts of people to create. And with everybody kind of running half steam, there's probably no way they could even get those ads made if they wanted to do it. Great point. Very true. So hmm. this year, this year's Super Bowl experience uh, will be somewhat different. Hey, hey, guys, can we scrap together like $55 million so we can run a 30 second ad for the podcast? I'll go get I'll the piggy bank. <laughs> okay just saying there's probably some openings maybe maybe we could even like negotiate down to like 50 million i don't know oh that'll be the day yeah i'll be honest i was shocked i was the edge of my seat the nfl has so much negative stuff that's been corralling around for the last few years i was like i wonder what reason these companies will have for leaving pick your grab bag of mm -hmm. negativity around the league it's uh it's uh, it's 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 definitely uh, not maybe what it used to be is kind of let's just watch the game. Like there's been the domestic violence issues, uh, the ongoing controversy with teams moving and money with cities and 
people fighting about kneeling and this and that and oh, the it, NFL. It's just uh, oy, it's something. People are mad about it for, for one reason or the other. It, it kind of reminds me a little bit of back like 2000, 2001 when, uh, when, when Sosa and McGuire and Bonds were you know just smashing and it was like you wanted to enjoy it and then it was just like but why is Barry Bonds head so big and yeah how did Mark Mag- how is Mark McGuire this good this late in his yeah. career and and then you know it just became all about uh performance enhancing yeah. substances I mean to be honest I think one of the craziest things with the NFL not crazy is not the right word but kind of sad and grim is is uh, uh players with concussions yeah, and, and and the real and people. Well, the game's not as hard like it used to be. It's like Junior Seau committed suicide, and his brain was severely injured. Like he yeah. died. He died for our entertainment. And I loved watching Junior Seau play. And there's kind of this level of you feel like, oh my goodness, like I was watching this guy destroy himself to the point where he committed um, suicide. And you know, his his family had donated his body to study uh, post mortem, mm. and he had. Uh, a, a very advanced case of CTE and uh, you, you kind of get this sobering feeling watching this is when these guys get concussions, it's like, where are these guys going to be in 15 years? Like, and it's, yeah, I mean, you know what I mean? Where it's like, to mm-hmm. me, that's just, th- there's kind of this guilt sobering feeling around that. And that's just one of the issues that's been dogging the league uh, from like a liability safety standpoint is, you know, w- w- what, what is this doing to these people? Oh, yeah. Um, I, I I I played football in high school um, and and am aware that I, you know, I, I remember at the time. So this was like the, the early 90s and like Troy Aikman was, mm-hmm. you know, getting concussed every every couple yeah. of weeks. And I remember like there were people like, oh, you know, so many concussions this season. I was like, yeah, but he played Pop Warner. He played mm-hmm. high school. He played college. How many concussions has he endured? It, Who knows? Yeah, and and I was I was a huge fan of of linemen and like Mike Webster, the the Steelers Hall of Fame center. He, he same thing happened to him with Junior Seau. He, you know, he had mm-hmm. advanced CTE, killed himself, and you know, yeah, it, it's really hard um, having played the game and been a fan of the game for so long to now go. There's some real issues like with how and especially with how poorly the older athletes have been treated. Yes. Um, in their retirement. Yeah. I, I often wonder if at some point in the future, uh, football will be kind of be relegated more to like kind of boxing and horse racing where it's like there it's time in the sun will just kind of fade away. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I still love football, but I, I feel, I don't know. It, it's, it doesn't have the same luster. And, and the concussion thing for me is just kind of, it's, it's kind of a grim thing that just kind of surrounds mm-hmm. what the sport is. Yeah. Okay, so is that your will? Is that your will? Is that a sentence? Um, is that your will? Can, is that your will? Can be. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's all I got. Okay, I was I was simultaneously listening um, and falling down a rabbit hole of trying to figure out which of the dystopian sci-fi movies and and books in the seventies was created first. Anyway, which one uh, was? <laughs> Uh, I think I figured out that um, the first one was Do Android Do Android Dream of Electric Sheep. Okay, uh, which is the first one, and then kind of the uh, of course it was renamed Blade Runner later on. Uh, this Perfect Day, THX eleven thirty eight, uh, and Logan's Run, kind of in that oh, order. 
I'm well, I mean, if you want to really, I mean, you've got uh, Aldous Huxley and Brave New World. Yes. Yes, you're right. I missed that one. What about, <laughs> but that's a whole nother podcast. Well, I'm sorry. Was Soylent Green, was that a book or was that called like Make Room, Make Room, I think? Uh, I think it was a book first, right? I think so. See, now yeah, I'm you're, you, you're correct. Uh, you geek point, Make Room, Make Room. Good uh, job. Yeah. 66. My, my, my eight-year-old and I watched Soylent Green the other day and it's like <laughs> set in like 2019. And he goes, Daddy, this future looks like trash. <laughs> uh, like, I don't know what to tell you. It was, it was it was 2019 set from the 70s, and like he just was like mind bot Like he couldn't wrap his head around. But it doesn't look like it is now. This is now. I'm like, yeah. I tell you. Said some crazy stuff. Uh, What's the other one? Which is which name I can never remember. Uh, that's like um, uh, the one in the future where like all the stupid people are. Uh, idiocracy idiocracy thank you yes yeah <laughs> i can never remember the name of that movie for some reason that's like when we're watching the original uh original series star trek and they're talking about you know the eugenics wars in the 90s and i'm like god damn it somehow we, i was in missed... college and i missed the whole world war i we mean did... i know i was having a good time but jeez. <laughs> Oh boy. Okay. So, um it's getting late, so I'm going to I'm going to jump in if nobody else has anything else. Get it. All right. Um first, I'm I'm going to take a cue from Joe and start with the sad, but not terribly sad, but kind of sad uh stuff first. Um and this is a little weird cuz it's something I don't normally talk about too much. Uh but I have talked to I think I've talked about it on the show. Um as some of you might know, uh I went to school with um, what unfortunately became a famous little boy uh, by the name of Adam Walsh. Uh, Adam Walsh was one of the the first uh, children to be abducted and murdered that kind of made the news. Oh um, yeah, his dad, John Walsh, went on to create America's Most Wanted, uh, which was a show that was absolutely groundbreaking for the time and did a lot of good. Uh, and helped catch a lot of bad guys. Um, and I think that's kind of why I'm obsessed with shows like that now. Um, but I just read an article, and I don't know if this is considered geeky or not, but sure, uh, America's Most Wanted is coming back. Oh, boy. Well, with, with, with uh, John Walsh or with somebody else? No, John is retired. Uh, it is returning uh, with Elizabeth Vargas hosting. Hmm. Um, and it is that's on Fox. That's an intriguing choice. Yeah, it is an interesting choice. Um, but it will be on Fox, uh, and they are kind of honoring the legacy. Uh, so it, uh, the America original, it ran for 25 seasons, uh, and managed to catch 1,186 criminals. Wow. Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah, I just thought that that was something that I wanted to pay homage to, uh, and, and, uh, just kind of get out there. Um, I was in the mall the day Adam went missing from Hollywood Mall. I was in the mall that day. I saw him that day. Wow. So this is something that is very close to my heart. And it's something that uh, I, I felt like I needed to just say, thank you for bringing this back. Thank you for continuing his legacy. Uh, you know, and let's go catch some bad guys. Right on. So I thought I would get that out there first. Cause that was the, the rough stuff. Now for the cool stuff. Uh, let's see. 
Um, we uh, this April, Marvel is doing Women of Marvel number one. Yeah. Uh huh. Let's see. Uh, Marvel is getting ready to celebrate women this April with Women of Marvel number one. Announced recently on the Women of Marvel podcast, uh, Women of Marvel number one will be a giant-sized special, special putting the spotlight on iconic female characters from the Marvel universe. There are stories from She-Hulk, Captain Peggy Carter, Rogue, and more. Uh, and all the stories are written by women. Very cool. Yeah. Just take my money seriously (laughs) just shut up and take my money (laughs) how much do you need now (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh it looks really good it looks really interesting some some really great authors uh all female um and i'm hoping that they do more of these the fact that they called it number one gives me hope that there will be a number two and a three and a four and all of those things uh so super happy about that um <laughs> this is this is a, a a fun little article that i tripped upon um that is one of those like it's not really happening but we really want it to happen and maybe if we make enough noise it'll happen apparently for quite some time now michael dorn has been pitching a captain wolf series i have read about this yes <laughs> <laughs> he wants it to t- he wants it to be uh Worf going back to the Klingon Empire and becoming an ambassador for the King of Klingon Empire. Uh and uh it's really just Michael Dorn talking right now. Mm-hmm. And it has been for a bit. Yes. Uh you know, and it's one of those things where it's like you get a little bit of interest and then it goes a different direction. Um but if you're a Worf fan like I am and you want to see it, you know, Star Trek's fans make some noise uh i think it would be cool i think it would be fun um i mean i don't know with all the projects going on right now it might not be something that happens right away but i think it's a cool it's a cool thought and and any chance for wharf to return to the screen would make me happy i have so, an alternative to that though okay do so i i a show that i'd much rather see the adventures of king koloth and Kor. Yes. Oh my god, that's such a geek point. Uh, that would be... And we can I have episodes just... where Curzon shows up too, right? Yes, that, yes! Why, why not? And I we mean, get to Lord see Curzon. Lord knows they've got plenty of uh, they've got plenty of time to deal with that whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Just, that's... The, just those three. Uh, individually and collectively, yeah, sure. I, 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 sign me up, take my money, I'll, I'll watch. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. I, I like that idea. Oh my goodness, the let's, three of them. Let's let's get uh, let's get Will in touch with uh, Kurtzman and uh, whoever else he needs to talk to over at now Paramount Plus because it's no longer CBS All at, or plus, everything is a plus now. Yes, yes, Cause, cause, <laughs> yes. It, it, it's going to be changing from Podcast Plus. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's it, Joe. We got to change the entire logo now. Now that you've done all of this work, we gotta add the plus to everything. There we go. Jesus. Yeah. And by the way, I feel like I need to hand it a geek point. I don't even know who those characters are. I know, obviously, I, I know Worf. I, I feel that you just you just eclipse whatever level of Star Trek this. I'm like silent. I'm like, I don't even know who those characters are. I might know, <laughs> but I'm just like, uh, okay, cool. You gotta, you gotta know. really, you gotta be a real fan. You know, you gotta be a Deep yeah. Space Nine fan. Uh, 
to really get get all of that. But yeah, that's that's some that's some high level shit right there. Will. Yep, that's a geek point for Will. <laughs> okay, um, I got a couple of little things. Um, I didn't know this was a thing. I don't know how I missed it, but I'm gonna watch it as soon as the show is done because I just stumbled upon it. Apparently, Leonard Nimoy at some point appeared on the Carol Burnett show as Spock in 1967. Hmm. Okay. I I need. Wait, wait. excuse me. Let me respond. Let me react to that. Fascinating. <laughs> That's a geek point. <laughs> so, so wait, are you saying he was on the show like in full like makeup and like uniform? Yes. Wow, it's so weird. Yeah. I have to watch this now. I don't know how. I was a huge Carol Burnett fan growing up. I don't know how I missed this because my parents were Trekkies too. Um, but yeah, I I stumbled upon it and I was like, oh my god! So, <laughs> um, and of course, uh, leaving the best for last, uh, my dear beloved Critical Role uh, is partner is partnering with WizKids to release some new miniatures. Ooh. Yeah, we were talking about this the other day. Uh, Critical Role recently announced a new partnership with WizKids to bring more of Exandria to life. Launching this spring will be six box sets of premium pre-painted miniatures of monsters and player characters to use for the adventures in Wildmount. These will include the deluxe gargantuan size Udak. Talking uh, talking about partnership, Matthew Mercer. Matthew Mercer. We must give his name the respect it is due. Has this to say. I've been a rabid collector of WizKids minis for, well, a very long time. And to be able to work directly with them to bring the denizens of and denizens and dangers of Exandria to life for everyone to use is beyond exciting. They bring such skill and expertise to their work, and this upcoming collection really captures the characters and atmosphere of Exandria. I think fans of Critical Role, as well as players new to our world, will greatly enjoy the opportunity for deeper play collaboration and imagination. Thank you, Matthew Mercer. Uh, so yeah, super excited about that. Um, I'm looking for the release date here. This new line is... Uh, where's the release date? I had it. No, I can't find it. There's a release date. I don't know where it is. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's coming. Um, miniatures to buy that are going to sit on a shelf unpainted. No, oh, no they're pre-painted. They're pre-painted. Yes. Okay, I guess. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> there's there's controversy in the world of Dungeons and Dragons as to whether you should paint your own minis or not. But coming from a dungeon man master's perspective, I can't paint for shit, and I need minis. So <laughs> having the pre-painted option is is important. Uh, and they, they look like they're really, really cool and fun. So I'm excited about that. Go Critical Role. So that's it. That's all I got. All right. Um, before we get to tallying the geek points and, and, and doing plugs, uh, I want to take a moment to talk about, uh, so before, before the pandemic, uh, we had as a podcast had made an agreement with our friendly local game store, the adventure game store and Dragon's Lair to um, start recording our podcast from their uh, podcast studio sponsored by Yellow. Uh, like literally a week and a half after we had talked with them, we had, we had talked with the owner of the store, Brian Dalrymple, uh, who was a guest on the show previously. 
that we uh, we were going to do this, then we had to shut down. And um, as you can imagine, with most everything, uh, it's been hard for uh, your friendly local game store, especially one who had just created a game cafe, uh, which is going to be a location mm -hmm. for people to be able to come and play uh, a myriad of board games and card games and role playing games. There were uh, for for those who became memberships of, members of the society, uh, you would have access to those games. And I have to tell you, Brian has tried every which way to be able to provide that experience in as safe a manner as possible. He went out and purchased the the UV light wands and sanitizing stations and all sorts of stuff. Um, but it's still not being able to have full capacity and people, you know following social distancing and, and, you know, the different rules, it's, it's been tough. Plus Brian also, uh, in the adventure game store, uh, has been, you know, big on the con scene, uh, and not being able to go to, you know, be part of local cons to help, help promote the business and help sell products has been rough as well. So, uh, one of the things that, uh, the adventure game store has done is they've created a Patreon. Um, well, they created a, a, a newsletter called Daring Jew. It's a monthly uh, guest zine in the oldest of traditions, uh, and they are producing it monthly. Uh, the authors in it are some members of the Alligator Alley Publishing Group, uh, the folks behind us for Genesis and all the other cool games. We've talked to a couple of them. We've talked to uh, Christopher Robin Neglin. He's put He's created some things for it. Uh, Brian himself has has created stuff for it. Uh, Eric Weiner, who we haven't had on the show yet, but is a, a vital part of that crew, has created stuff. So um, it's it's a way to help. Um, one of the pinnacles, one of the not pinnacles, I don't want to say that. One of the bedrocks of the South Florida gaming community. Um, you know, my mom walked into the original Dragon's Lair. Uh, Oof, 30 something years ago uh, to, I know it hurts. It hurts to say it. I, I was um, doing the math and I didn't want to say anything. You know, telling, you know, <laughs> she came home and she was like, I found, I, I found this place that sells the, sells the books for you and, and has the, and has the, 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 the game you guys like to play. And um, so if you go to the adventure game, uh, you go to adventuregamestore.com. Uh, they have the the current edition, Daring Do uh, 1.2, as they're calling it. It's a 35-plus page PDF filled with homebrew and original material, reviews, mechanics, maps, and much more. Uh, all the proceeds go to the Adventure Game Society uh, physical space to try to keep it uh, from shuttering. Um, you can either purchase the zine from here, or you can go subscribe on the Patreon. Uh, and the Patreon is uh, patreon.com slash adventure game society. Um, if you live in the South Florida area and you feel comfortable going out and shopping in person, please go and do so uh, from the adventure game store. Uh, we love our other, fr our other friends who owns gaming stores, but right now we're going to be a little favorite. Uh, we're going to show a little favorite to them. Yeah, they need our help. They um, need our help. Guys. Or. If you want to go just to adventuregamestore.com, you're able to buy your books online from them. So 
uh, you know, just, well, you know, everybody's, you know, struggling and, you know, maybe you can't, you know, you can't buy the books like you were able to, but, you know, if you want game stores to continue, if you want uh, places to be able to learn to play new games or, uh, you know, just do what you can to help. Um, you know, this is also the location which I've mentioned before, where we've they've had the RPG Escape, uh, where they bring down independent game creators to help. You know, to talk with folks about you know the ins and outs of game design or just DMing or GMing. So uh, again, that's go to adventuregamestore.com uh, and and help out. You know, folks who are you know just really good people. Uh, I can't say, uh, you know, good enough about Brian Dalrymple and, and how he's helped us with, with the show, uh, and, you know, help the community down here continue to have a place to, you know, get your game stuff. Yeah. We've advocated before on the show to everybody should be supporting their local game store right now. We're not going to get through this unless we do it together. And just like we are supporting Jason with his Kickstarter, because in this community, community begets community. We have nobody else is going to do it for us. We got to do it. We got to support the people that we love. Um, and this is how you do it. The Patreon is $5 a month. The zine is absolutely worth it. The content is amazing. We really would appreciate it. They would appreciate it. And, you know, it keeps everybody going. It, it, it benefits everyone for our local game stores to stay alive. And this is ours. So if you can, that's great. Uh, we would really, really appreciate it. So and if you can spread absolutely. the word and show the love. Yep. Yep. At least share. All right. Yep. To the big board. To I the can't, board. I can't imagine who <laughs> is the geekiest this week. <laughs> Jason, you creamed us this week. That you, bad, huh? you knocked us out of the water this week. <laughs> uh, this is a really interesting one. Jason, you are absolutely the geekiest this week with 10 geek points. Yes. And, and this is a first on the show. Myself, Will, and Joe have all tied at three geek points apiece. It is wow. not the first. It is just very, very, very rare. <laughs> I don't remember all three of us tying. I remember two tying. I don't remember all three of us tying. But yeah, that's that doesn't happen often. But Jason, we are so happy to have you again, and we're so excited that that your your book is continuing to do so well. Uh, and you. we wish you so much luck in the future. I'm sure we will have you on again. Uh, well, hey, I, th your show is so much fun to be on. The three of you are delightful uh, individually, but you're really even more delightful as a group. And I love the format of the show, and it's a lot of fun and. Uh, happy to come on anytime. Uh, love to just talk random geeky stuff. And uh, this was a delightful uh, evening to spend with the three of you. Um, <laughs> I wish we were closer and not living in a pandemic. We all hang out right? and coffee. But uh, yeah, no, you, got, you guys do a great job. And, and uh, I'm, I'm very lucky to be welcomed you. on your show. So, Thank you so with much. that said, uh, as you remember from before, it is your right, duty, responsibility to tell us. Where can we find your you on the internet? Where can we find the Kickstarter? Where can we? How can they get a hold of your your good art? Plug your so, stuff. So I, I think Google's gotten pretty easy, and I think most people know how to use it. So finding the Kickstarter, if you just type in "Lords of the Cosmos" for Kickstarter, it's going to come up. I have the link pinned on my Twitter page, so you can just go to at Lennox Artist. It's pretty easy to find. 
I have it pinned to my Facebook art page, which is facebook.com slash Jason Lennox Illustrator. It's pinned on my website, jasonlennox.com, with one N, not two. Uh, and if you go to at Lennox Artist on Instagram, there's a million posts with, you know, marketing and promotional stuff about it. So uh, Jason Lennox, at Lennox Artist, Lords of the Cosmos, Ford Kickstarter, um, you're going to find me. Um, and I'm sure you guys will do a good job putting links and sharing stuff. So that's that's pretty much the best way to find me. Give me a follow. My, my social medias are, are kind of fun and I try to keep them pretty much put to my art and me arguing about the same uh, eight or nine old films. They live alien, the thing, etc., over and over again uh, for eternity. So uh, that, and if you want to talk about eighties and nineties anime too, we can, we can go a few rounds on awesome. that. So hey, Kay. thank you. Where can they find you online? Yes. Everywhere. Uh, you can find me on the twits at Hawk underscore Kayla. You can find me on Instagram at geekiest Kayla. You can find me uh, playing Jade on the Not Safe for Wizards D&D Actual Play podcast. Uh, you can find me uh, at our little fun geeky thrift shop in downtown Davie, Florida at 4148 Davie Road. Uh, and on all the socials, Secondhand Goddess. Uh, you can find all of the Secondhand Goddess stuff on secondhandgoddess.net. Um, we have some really cool uh, collectibles, Disney stuff, all kinds of things geeky on our eBay pages. So check that out. I think, um, that's, it. I think that's it. And you have a TikTok. And I'm TikTok. Who <laughs> <So> will? <laughs> Where can people find you online? Yes, sir. Uh, I am not nearly as everywhere Very few as are. Kayla is. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, I am on the Instagram and on the Twitter at Geekiest Will. Uh, not that I know how to use either one of those very well, but I'm trying to learn. Desperately. You're getting better. I'm trying. Yes, sir. I'm trying. Oh, Joseph, where can these find? Well, you fine find me on Twitter at Demorgus. That's D E M O R. G-U-S. Uh, you can follow this podcast across social media at The Geekiest Pod. That's Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, you can find me as the DM of the Not Safer Wizards 5th Edition Actual Play Podcast, where each week I try to challenge and make my players cry. Um, yep, that's exactly and, what it is. Uh, you can find me also occasionally writing at the Evolving DM, and uh, I think that's it for the time being, so uh we're what 37 years into this pandemic um in a row right we continue to ask you please follow all social distancing guidelines please wear a mask i'm seeing now they're saying wear two masks um wash your hands keep distancing don't be a dick as pete would say uh this podcast believes that black lives matter trans rights are human rights and love is love we thank you for listening this week. We look forward to talking to you next week. Leave the world a better place than you found it, kids. Bye. Hey there, listener. Before we get out of here, just want to uh, ask you to do us a little favor. Um, two little favors. One, if you go to Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review there. Five stars would be great, but hey, we're leaving that up to you. And second would be share the podcast with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you think would enjoy a deep dive into geek culture. Uh, that would definitely help us. Thanks for listening. The preceding program was brought to you by Armored Bear Productions.